Everybody had a good good week. Make sure I got this thing running because I get in trouble with it. Yeah, we going. All right. Let's get started this morning. We when we get there, we'll be on page two. We had two Sundays of this and haven't made a lot of progress, have we? <laughs> I mean, that's a good thing. All right, um, we went over a couple of weeks the the five fundamental steps of faith. So thank thank y'all y'all got that. And we started last week just a quick review. I want to add a little bit to it about um, how the Holy Spirit, I mean, for a better word, downloads stuff into our spirit or subconscious at night while while we sleep. So we should go to sleep with a, a a question for the Lord or scripture or promise, whatever is on our mind to, to get that download because we'll see in a minute. Because the same is true in the reverse. If we go to bed worried and upset and aggravated, then then we open that door for, for, for Satan to download more fear, more doubt in into our spirit and then that, that makes it, it grow. And then, and then, then we start talking about how to how to increase our our faith, and and faith is a seed. You know, the Bible says it's like a grain of mustard seed. You know, and that's what we talked about last week. That's what caused Jesus to come into the earth. That Mary, that Mary took that word from the Holy Spirit. And she said, "Be it unto me as you spoken," and that's what caused Jesus. To conceive was that she took that word, that that word, and used faith and sowed it as a seed, and it produced. And that's the same thing in our spirit. We we grow stuff. That's how we grow our faith. We take that promise because the Bible says faith comes by hearing. So faith comes. It may seem very small, very little, but every time you you say the word, faith comes. And then the more we look at it, the more we think about it, the more we talk about it, it causes that faith to grow. And then we, we begin to, to see things as, as possible. So I want to go to Genesis 1 before we get into our book. Genesis chapter 1, verse 20. We'll start with 26. It ought to be easy to find that, hadn't it? Just the first page of the Bible. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. It said, God said, let us make men in our image. Or the contemporary English says, now we will make humans and they'll be like us. So let's make man in our image. After our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So he says here, the first thing he said when he created man was what? That we're to have dominion. We're to have dominion. He, he gave Adam dominion over this whole earth. Because we know he lost it, we got it back in Jesus. So when we start looking at our circumstances, we have to decide, are they dominating us or are we dominating them? If, if the first is true, if they're dominating us then we're not walking in our God-given covenant right that we're the head and not the tail. We're above only and not beneath. See, so let's read on here, verse 28. 
And God blessed them. And God said unto them, Be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, to fowl the air over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. So we see here in two verses here, when God is creating man two different times, He tells them that, hey, take dominion. Have dominion. So, and we're talking about this before we get into our book, to, to see faith and, and, and to see our prayer life. So, if, if the way we normally pray is, we're asking God to help us in this situation. But God's saying, no, I gave you the dominion. You stand up. You take authority over the situation. See, that's our authority. He gave us the authority. He said, all power is given to me in heaven and earth. Thank you, sir. And uh, is everybody got a book? Anybody need a book? I'll just pass that back. I'm sorry, I should have asked that to start with. And then... So, so, so we have to understand that that where God God has authority, but then He's given us authority in anything that affects us in in this earthly realm. He has given us authority. But what we need is we need some dominion seed. See, we got to grow our confidence in our dominion because most times we'll say, "Hey." Devil be gone in Jesus' name. And the first thing we do is we turn around and check and see if he's gone. So we're not sure. See, so, so we, we, we don't believe what we said. If we did, then we don't, we don't have to second guess it. We don't look back. You know, by his stripes I'm healed. And then what do we do? We go to feel and see if we feel better. We go to checking ourselves, see. We're trying to confirm something spiritual by something natural. And we can't, can't do that, see. Our job is to have, have, to have dominion, but we have to have some dominion seed. Also, if you have a problem and you don't understand what to do, what do we do about that? But most of the time, when we have a problem, and still today, but especially my early years, I get confused as to what what's God's part and what's my part. Where does His authority and where does He expect me to have authority? See, because if we're expecting God to do something for us that He's telling us we've got to do for ourselves, then, then we're going to get frustrated because nothing's going to happen. See, we have to know where He starts and where, where we, we stop. See, in James 1 5 says, if you lack wisdom, ask God and He'd be glad to, 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 to give it to you. See? What is I said, I need a list. I need you to write a list. <laughs> I wish it was that black and white. <laughs> I have found this out. Anybody that's been saved along knows this. There's way more gray in this Christian walk in there than there are black and white. There's a lot of gray in there. So you have, you have to just, just, just walk, walk through it. Um, go to Psalms 127 and 2. I'll make a few more points and we'll get in the, in the book here this morning. You think maybe we get so caught up in our microwave society that we just, we're expecting a financial blessing. We just expect, expect it to just fall out instead of waiting right. for the process. That's right. Psalms 127. I didn't say what? Psalms chapter 127. 127, Mary. 127. She hunts Psalms 1 verse 27. 
they're disgusting. If you find that, let me know what it says. <laughs> now, Psalms 127 is a psalm that, that, that you need to read periodically. Because um, it, it'll, it'll straighten, straighten out your thinking on, on some things. But verse 2 says, It is vain or it's worthless for you to rise up early, sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for he giveth his beloved sleep. You know, we talked a couple of weeks ago about how the devil will always try to book in your day. First, when you wake up, boom, he's going to dump them problems on you and try to get you to be in anxiety and stress and worry. And then it'll get better during the day, and then right before you go to bed at night, bam, those thoughts, those things come right back. But the Bible's saying here that it's vain for you, it's worthless for you to stay up all night, not going to sleep. Because of your problems. Because think about this. What has worry ever fixed? It ain't never paid a bill. It ain't never changed the situation. But because that is Adam's original faith, that fear, that worry we, we have, it's, it's embedded in us from the day we're born. And we're going to have to fight with it till the day we die. See? Because it's in us as part of, 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 of the fall, but we have to, to take dominion over that and say, I can stay up all night worrying, and it ain't going to put one more penny in my bank account. It ain't going to change one circumstance. And, but, but, but for some reason, we think worry shows concern for the problem, or, or you know, if it's worried about our child, that it shows that we love our child. But really, it doesn't. To give it to God shows that we, we love our child, see? So, so that, you know... That's what they say. He gives his beloved sleep. So he said, hey, don't do that. Go to sleep. Let me get some download in you here. Let me download some information tonight in your subconscious that, that you're too worried about in the daytime that you won't receive in the daytime. See, So we, we, have, we have to take control of it and say, I refuse to fear. I will not do it. I will not let this be part of my thought life. And what does the Bible say? Well, this ain't part of the lesson. Let's go Philippians. Take me just a second right here. Philippians 4 and 6. This is the process to get rid of worry right here. Philippians chapter 4 verse 6. (laughs) You know, worry. Worry becomes a habit. We train ourselves. You know, we, we, we do. We train ourselves. But we got to, we got to untrain ourselves because because God said you know that He would He would give us rest no no matter how tough the situation is that that we could face it relaxed and not upset. But, but and we're gonna talk about this in a minute. But when we worry, then then we're not fully persuaded. And we're gonna we're gonna talk about it in just a second. But I had this come up, so let's let's address this. Uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God. You got you got to amplify this morning, Miss Sherry? Who me if I got to amplify? I got it. I got it on my phone. Philippians 4, 4, 6, amplified. Because a lot of things we read, we don't realize that they're commands. From God, and, and this is a command uh, right here. But, but you need to understand this is King James English. Philippians four six. Read, read the first part of that verse. Uh, 
Stop. Don't fret. Say it again. Do not fret. Or have any. Or any anxiety about anything. Ooh. Everybody swallow real deep. Real hard. Because <laughs> anything. Anything. God don't want you concerned about anything. Why? Because if we're concerned, then we're not in faith. See? We're not able to exercise our dominion. Anxiety causes us to what? Think that God, it might not be possible for this to happen to us. See? So then, when we do that, then we become the inferior one instead of the dominating one. When we have that anxiety, that stress, it puts us subordinate to the devil. See? And then, then we're in his domain because we're in the fear realm. See, to get out of his domain, take dominion, we have to get up in the in the faith realm. I, I've been reading this work, this book, the the, the covenant and the contradiction. It's written by uh, you know we talk about uh, Professor George Stevens, the uh, the Jewish uh, scholar. He and Ken Copeland wrote this book, and it's going through the Bible, showing the contradictions. What the circ- contradiction is what. The circumstance says versus what the covenant says. In our covenant with God, a covenant contradiction is any natural obstacle that makes it appear impossible for God's promise to come to pass in our life. And that's the obstacle we have to overcome. When we have that issue, no matter what it is, if we're in worry and anxiety, then we think the problem is bigger than God's ability to bail us out, see? So we're in contradiction to the covenant, see? The covenant says we win every time. It may take several battles to get the win, but, but we win, see? And, and we have to start looking at that. Hey, this is, this is contradictory to my covenant. God, you got to remember, and, and you got to get this in your heart, that God cannot lie. He said he would do this, and then he's obligated by his word. That's making demand on the covenant. See, we're not making demands on God. We're making demand on that covenant. He said he'd meet all of my needs according to his riches and glory. My needs are met. I don't need the contradiction of what the what the checkbook says, what the bill says. See, all that's contradiction. See, all that makes me have anxiety. That makes me fret. That puts me subordinate. See, not dominating. When I believe what God says, then I'm dominating. See? Now, that is the process. Let's keep reading here. Because the process is getting there. Right, verse 7. And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through, the, through Jesus Christ. Finally, my brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, Whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Now, he just told us, don't have any anxiety or worry about anything. But if you'll think on this, verse 8, let your mind think on these things. So you, see, we talked the other week, worry has to be replaced. You can't just not worry. You've got to replace that thought and think about something else. In the First Peter 5. You know, um, I've seen a lot of people, even in my life, that mistake worry for preparation. Yes, sir. All the time. Yes, sir. Like they're being prepared for stuff and, and noticing things and looking and watching. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and doing the things that you have to do to prepare, they they will worry instead. Mm-hmm. And um, I found it interesting what you just said because it's like I thought back to my own uh, parents. My own parents would never buy life insurance. Mm-hmm. And they would never buy life insurance because they believed wholeheartedly that God would provide for them if something were to happen to one of them. Mm-hmm. So I had never, you know, growing up, I never paid any attention to that until I got right. older. Uh-huh. And I started thinking about that. And, mm-hmm. you know, that was an interesting concept. Because it's like, you know, yeah, okay, you are putting your faith in God, of course. But there's also things we have to do here on earth to mm-hmm. prepare ourselves in this land of demand. That's know? right. We should do everything we can in the natural, and then, then let God do everything He can in, in the Spirit. Uh, uh, 1 Peter 5. <laughs> Verse 6. This, this finishes what, what Philippians didn't say. Humble yourself, therefore, in the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time. Casting all of your care upon him, for he cares for you. And if you read that in Amplified, they say all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all. See, so we're going we're going to cast that worry on him. See, but this is what we do. We we, we you say, God, I give the care of this to you, and then we turn around five minutes later doing what? Thinking about it. So we take, so, but remember now, whose care is it? Is it his or is it yours? It's my care, right? I can take it back when I when I when I want to. For instance, see, this is this is my phone. Huh? But now, who has my phone? I don't have my phone. See, she has my phone. That's my cares. See, but what? But see, I didn't have to ask for it back, did I? Hmm? See that? I just put my hand out. I didn't say anything that I want my phone back or nothing, but it was mine, so what did she just do? She's automatically back. <laughs> you got to remember that. So when I give my cares to God, and then five minutes later, I, I try to start worrying about it again, then I took my care right back. Yeah. See? And you got to say, oh, no, no, I'm not doing that. I, I repent. I'm sorry, Lord. I repent. I don't want that. See? And, and, and let's read on here. Now, that's the process. And, and when the Bible talks about suffering, that's what it's talking about. That mental fight, that mental anguish of trying to get that off of your mind. Trying to keep that care where it belongs, see. And the more we practice this, the easier it, it, it becomes. And back to verse 7. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. So he's going to turn around and try to get your mind back on the thing. That's what he's going to do. Whom resists, verse 9, whom resists steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. I want to get to verse 10 here. But the God of all grace, who has called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, what is that? I have fought this battle and and I've kept that care on God. Will make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Eventually, you'll start thinking about it less and less and less and less. And the next thing you know, you'll be gone hours and days and want to think about it. Instead of having all that anxiety 
inside of us, you'll start noticing a peace and a calm. So what am I doing now? I'm coming from my subordinate position because I'm sowing, I'm growing this seed of dominion. I'm coming up. Well, now with my faith, I'm getting able to dominate this thing. See, and once I dominate it, then it's gone forever. It won't be back. See, but that's the problem with our lives. We never grow up and dominate. It gets better, and then we relax. See, we never put it to bed. See, and we it gets better. We relax. And let our guard down. Next thing we know, bam, it's back again. See, but this is the process to, to these these two verses in in Philippians and this in in First Peter. Getting rid of it, you got to remember you, when you cast it on him. You, that is your mental focus is not to take it back to fight that mental fight or that mental suffering. See, and rise up to 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 dominate like you're supposed to dominate. And then uh, we, we, before we got off on that. I want to talk about being being fully persuaded, and, and that, that and I asked the Lord to help me with this. I said, Lord, how how do I get fully persuaded? If, if if you read everywhere in the Bible, especially with Abraham, it says that that he was fully persuaded. It means he 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 knew it was going to happen. See, I'm going to kill Isaac, and God's going to raise him from the dead. Because God, why? Because God promised that this would child would be the one that nations would come out of. See. That, that, but if he's dead, nations can't come out of him. See, he he took that promise unconditionally and believed. No matter what goes on with this boy, he is the see. He was fully, fully persuaded. See, but we're not fully persuaded. That that's our our problem. We're not. You know, we. If I say God exists, we fully persuaded that nobody can make you doubt that God doesn't exist, right? But now, will God meet your needs? Will God heal your body? Will God save that child? When we get it down into that, we're not fully persuaded. Because if we were, then we wouldn't have that anxiety. We wouldn't have that stress. We wouldn't have that, that worry. So there is a place that we can get to to be fully persuaded. See, uh, and y'all heard me tell a story before the new ones are. I'll tell it. Uh, you should read about about these the, the, these people that come before us. The, the explorer Henry Livingstone. When I was young, they had a they had a cartoon Bug Bunny, and you know they, they went after trying to find Mr. Henry Livingstone. He was in the, he was a missionary to Africa, and during the bubonic plague, you know all these people were dying, dying. But but he brought a team over there, and he would he was a doctor too, and he would. Work with these kids, with these people, with, with no mask, no gloves, no nothing. But he never got the bubonic plague. So, so the scientists in England, he was English, wanted to know how he was doing it. So they sent a team over there to study him. And he said, "Look, if you notice, when they die, they have a bloody froth that comes out of their mouth. And it, you take that and you put it under the microscope, and you'll see the 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 the, the virus." So they did, and they, they looked. Yes, yes, the virus. He said, now put it in my hand. And he put it in his hand. He said, now put my hand under the microscope and what do you see? They said, there's no virus. It's all died. It's dead. He said, right. Romans 8, 2. For the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. He was fully persuaded that he was free from the law of sin and death. That nothing Satan could do could let his armor down. See, And, and, and then I'll make this statement and, and we'll move on. But see, that's being fully persuaded, see. 
and, and, and things we have to we have to redo some of our misunder misunderstanding. See, God has the power to kill you. Everybody would agree to that, right? But He does not have the authority. See, now, now just let that soak in a second before you, before you go rattling around. God has the power to kill you, but He does not have the authority. Why? Life and death are where? Life and death are where? In the power of the tongue. He gave us certain things in this Bible that will make our life long. He gave us certain things in this Bible that will make our life Short. He put that in mine in your hand. See, that's part of our covenant. Long life is part of our covenant. That's what I mean. He says he don't have the authority. He put it in a covenant, and we make the conditions on that. Now, you know, there's lots of things going there. You know, there's people die. We don't understand why. I don't want to get into all that because there's things we won't know till we get to heaven about about some of that kind of stuff. But you can see it. In, in Numbers 13, if you read the second part of chapter Numbers 13, and pretty much all of Numbers 14, you will see that with the children of Israel and, and God talking to them about, about, about this. And the, I know that kind of statement will take you back, but you have to realize that f- where His authority stops and ours starts. See? If you read all through the Bible, you know, with long life I will satisfy you. He goes through all these these things, see, in there that that, that 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 we have to look at. And the same thing with our with our health. A lot of health things, you know, are, are in my opinion, self inflicted. There's some that are not, but 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 a lot of them are. Okay. Anybody else on that before we move on? All right. <clears throat> Page two. <coughs> We got right here in this in the, this top section on page two, and we talked about last week. You know, when 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 you, when, you, when 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 the preacher's preaching something, and, and 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 it's a promise comes up or something. You know, stop getting ourselves to say, "Hey, I receive that." Well, that happens to me all the time. And there was a couple of good ones last week when he was preaching. You know, she says, "Hey, man, that happens to me all the time." When he was talking about Malachi three and and that kind of stuff in there. But here he was talking about. Uh, this 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 lame man that got healed by uh, Paul's, uh, you know, Paul told him to stand up on his feet, and all him, Paul and Barnabas here, and he says three things. Paul did three things. He preached the gospel to the man. He the man perceived that he had faith to be healed. He told the man to rise and walk. The man did three things. Corresponding action. He heard Paul preach the gospel. He had faith to be healed. He leaped and he walked. We call that corresponding action. The man was not healed by some special power that Paul had. The man himself had faith to be healed. Where and how did he get faith to be healed? He got it from what he heard. Acts 14, 14, 14.9 says, The same man heard Paul speak. What did Paul speak? In verse 7. And there they preached the gospel. If Paul preached what we call the gospel of salvation, how did the man get faith to be healed? The man got faith to be healed because Paul preached what the Bible calls the gospel, which includes healing. Now, go to, go to Mark chapter 5. And I didn't realize until I was reading this week that uh, he's going to go into this, but we're going we're gonna to go into it here. 
and then we'll get some more understanding when we get over there with him. Mark chapter 5. Now this is the, the story of the lady with the, with the issue of blood. We're talking about how faith comes in this, in this, in this chapter. And this is the lady with the issue of blood in verse 24. Mark 5, 24. And Jesus went with him. Just about, he, Jairus made him, you know. And much people followed him and thronged him. And there was a certain woman which had an issue of blood twelve years and had suffered many things of many physicians and spent all that she had and was nothing better but rather grew worse. When she had heard, so what did she hear? She heard what Jesus, we're going to see it in just a minute. She heard what Jesus had been preaching, right? And what Jesus had been doing. See, so faith comes how? By hearing. See, so she heard of Jesus. She came in the press behind and touched his garment and said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. So she heard, she heard, and then she said, Remember, that's the five principal things. We, we, we was on the board the last two weeks, see? She heard it. She said it. See? Faith come by hearing, hearing by the word, see? And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body she was healed of that plague. And immediately, and Jesus immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned about in the press and said, Who touched me? Now, we know the rest of the story there. But now, let me ask you something. Go, go back to verse 24. Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. Well, that really means he was pressed on all sides. They were just pushing on him. All right? So, let me ask you something. Jesus met Jairus, and they walk, and these people are just bumping on him. All right? How come this lady's the only one that drawed any virtue out of him? She touched him just like the rest of them touched him. She's the only, huh? Uh-huh. She's the only one that come expecting something. She's the only one that come and said, "I believe if I can get to him, he can heal my body." The others are just bystanders, just there for the show. See, so 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 now you know what I'm going to say now. What do you come to church for? You come in faith. You come expecting something. You come wanting to receive something, or you just come because we come on Sunday. See, you just come. And being part of the crowd. Only those that come and draw on that faith power are the only ones that's going to receive. See? And that's the difference in this lady to them. Now, what has she heard? Go to um, Acts 10, 38. This is what all the, the, the disciples preached. When you, when, you, when you hear them say, you know, and Peter preached, uh, preached Christ... And all that, this is, this is what they were preaching. This is what Jesus preached. Uh, Rome, uh, Acts 10, 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. That's what Jesus was preaching. I'm anointed of God. God sent me here, see, to, to, to take care of every issue. God sent me here to take all, all the thoughts from that. He went around preaching that. And that's what she heard, see. And that's what preaching of the gospel is, you know. Is, is, and then when people hear, it causes faith.
to rise. And as this is preach the gospel, that's what that's what Peter and them and John and Paul preached about how Jesus was anointed of God. He went about doing good, healing all that were sick, and that caused that faith to come. Now he's going to tell his story here, how I got faith to be healed. More than sixty years ago, on the bed of sickness, as a young denominational boy reading Grandma's Bible, the more I read the Word, the more I learned. I realized that I had never heard the full gospel, just part of it. The fullness of the gospel hadn't been taught in my church. But the more I read the Bible, the more I realized that I didn't have to die. The more I read God's Word, the more I realized I could be healed. Of course, the devil was right there trying to tell me that healing had been done away with. I had been taught that God would heal if He wanted to. But saying that God could heal... But that he might not want to is even a bigger insult than saying he couldn't heal. Both of them are lies. I read the word concerning healing, but the devil was right there trying to oppose me. The devil brought to my remembrance all the doubt and unbelief I'd ever heard. Can, can, you, can, can you get a witness with that? He brought to my remembrance all the failures. When we start having trouble, he brings all that to us. He brought to my remembrance all that I had been taught on the subject of healing. Something that helped me immeasurably was that even though people had told me that healing had been done away with, I don't ever remember hearing that faith had been done away with. I never heard that. He had an incurable blood disease. He was paralyzed. And and, and that's how he started. He was laid on the bed expecting him to, to die from all this. And so this is what he's talking about, about his sickness. He had incurable blood disease. As I studied the Word of God, I saw that faith had not been done away with. For example, the text in Acts chapter 14 says that the man in Lystra had faith to be healed. And in Mark 5.34, concerning the woman with the issue of blood, Jesus said, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Therefore, the Bible clearly shows that faith has not been done away with. The man at Lystra had faith to be healed concerning the woman with the issue of blood. It was her faith that made her whole. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Notice in Mark 5.34 that Jesus didn't say that his power or his faith made this woman whole. Jesus said to the woman, thy faith hath made thee whole. When I saw this, I knew that if her faith made her whole, then my faith could make me whole too. And thank God it did. My faith tapped into the power of God and I was made whole. My paralysis disappeared. My heart condition was healed. Since then I've been going at a hop, skip, and a jump. And I've been preaching the truth of the gospel, including healing ever since. So now let's look more closely at the man of Lystria. Healing is part of God's part of the gospel. Paul preached the gospel of salvation which includes healing. The Bible simply calls it the gospel. Romans 1.16 For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone to believe it through the Jew first and also to the Greek. The footnote in the Schofield Bible says the Hebrew and Greek words for salvation implies, we've talked about this, deliverance, safety, preservation, healing, and soundness. So, when we got saved, all of this is part of our covenant with God. Deliverance is. Safety is. Preservation is. Healing is. Soundness is. What, what, what is soundness? 
What is soundness? When something is sound, it's what? Solid. Right? So, so part of our salvation is that, 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 that God made us sound, able to stand the wiles and the fiery darts of the devil, able to stand up under all of those different conditions that He's going to produce in our lives. See, we have, the Bible says what? The Bible says what? You stand in faith. And when you can't do everything else, what? Just stand. Just be sound. Just just stand. When you can't do nothing else, just just stand. You got to put up some kind of of front against it, some kind of resistance to it. See, as, as, that's what that's what soundness. He's talking about here in soundness. He says, "I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto deliverance, safety, preservation, healing, and sound." Now. You need to understand, we have a right to all of this. This God, Jesus died to, to give us all of these rights. So, so when we inventory our life, we can see how, how deficient we are in, in, in having what we have a right to. See? And we need, if we, we, we need to start addressing those because if not, things begin to accumulate in your life. Especially when, when, when you get... I ain't in my older years, but you get middle age, middle age, and all things things that over the years they begin to accumulate. You you begin to say, "Ooh, this don't feel good. Ooh, that that hurts," and, and it kind of like it all of a sudden it just it just comes, you know. And, and we have we have to understand that that that, that we that, that everything that's wrong with us, not just physically, mentally, spiritually, every part. Our job is we have to start resisting. You know, do do I do I really want this in my life? And, and not only do I want it in my life now, but do I want it in my life for the rest of my life? Because whatever we permit will stay. See, whatever we choose to get rid of, we can get rid of. So everything that goes on in my life from this point on, I have to realize that I have permitted it. I have accepted it as part of life. And we live so, so, the more I understand about covenant, the more I realize how, how beneath the standard that, that I have lived and I do live. And there's just so, so much. Now, that, that, I'm not preaching here in exemption to problems. That don't exist. You're going to have problems. You're going to have issues. There's going to things go wrong. There's going to things going to happen that we ain't going to understand why they happen or how they happen or how to even get rid of them. You know, that, that those things will happen and, and we just don't have all the answers. But the more we realize <clears throat> what Jesus did for us, and the more we realize that, that, that we can live on a different different standard, that it don't matter if the whole world... Just look at Job. <clears throat> See? It don't matter if your whole world caved in like that on a day. God says you can still have peace right here. Knowing, hey... God's turning it around. It's turned around. I don't go by what I see. I go by what I believe. I don't go by what I hear. I go by what I believe. See, and that is the standard that makes us be able to stand against those those darts when when things. Because how you've noticed, you know, most time you don't just have one problem at a time and you fix it and you move on to one more problem. Hmm? It's usually numerous. Why? Because the devil wants to bombard you and get you to throw your hands up and say, "Ain't nothing to this." I'm better off before I went to church, you know. Let me just go back and do the other way. Because if you're out there, he's going to leave you alone a lot more than if you're in here. And, 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 but, but it ain't, 
it's about life, but it's about who gets your soul too. You know. Acts chapter eight there. It says Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ. Well, how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost of power. Just what we just read. And the people and the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them <clears throat> and many taken with palsies and that were lame were healed and there was great joy in the city. Notice verse 7 the miracles that followed the preaching of the word. See without you can't have anything without faith. Somebody you, you got preach means to proclaim. You either got to proclaim it or somebody else got, got to proclaim it for, 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 for faith to, to, to be built. Physical healing, divine healing, is part of the gospel. If there's no gospel of healing today, then none of us has a gospel of salvation to preach, either because healing is included in the atonement. Now, this is a, is a pretty good story. P.C. Nelson was a great Baptist minister. He said healing is part and parcel of the gospel. During the time Reverend Netzer was pastoring a church in Detroit, Michigan in 1921, he was run over by an automobile. The doctor said that one of his legs would have to be taken off at the knee. They said that if by some miracle it didn't have to be amputated, at the very least it would be still for the rest of his life. But P.C. Nelson related that he... But P.C. Nelson related that as he lay there in the hospital, the Lord began to talk with him. The Lord brought to his mind James five fourteen and 15. Is any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. If he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Now, what's going to raise him up? What? The prayer of what? Faith. Not just a bunch of people praying. See? Not just a bunch of people coming, laying hands on you. That's why these elders here, it really means mature Christians is what he's talking about, not not old people. See, and that's what we have to understand when we need prayer. We need to be very selective on who we ask to pray for us. See, there, there, there's two kinds of people that will pray for you: those that will pray for you in faith, and those that will pray for you and talk about your problem to everybody else. Hmm? And you have to be careful. When you ask somebody, because you always have to remember that 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 the prayer of a, that, that that two agree is touching anything, it shall be done. Works good for the good and the bad. See, and lots of times people will tell other people, "Hey, pray pray for Sister Karen." You know, she's she, then they start talking about how bad the situation is, and, they, and then what you end up doing, you end up believing how bad it is. See. So, so by, by believing how bad it is may cause you to pray for her, but me believing how bad it is, what if I have just done? I have just agreed with her about how bad it is. See, now we can now now just leave. Don't have to just fight her problem. Now she got to fight all these demons that me and Miss Karen just generated too. See, do, do you see that? See, you have to be careful. You don't want people spreading your problem in fear and worry and anxiety and getting 
people to agree on it. See, and, and you can see this really good with the weather. When it's dry, what does everybody say? And that's all they want to talk about. So, so what are we doing? We're keeping it dry for a longer period of time. You get a hurricane in the Gulf. If you ever noticed that used to in the older day, when I was younger, you'd have you'd have hurricanes. But once they escalate, they kind of stayed the same all the way through landfall. But if you notice, since social media, when they get close to landfall, lately they've been doing what? Going up in categories. It comes as a two, boom, all of a sudden, it, where did that five come from? Why? Who all, what's everybody saying? Man, it's going to be bad. It's going to be terrible. Man, are you ready for it? See? See how that works? And it's the same in good and, and the bad. So we can turn that tide and make it good if, if we'll agree on that side of it. All right. Y'all have a good week. Hey, y'all, thank everyone who has turned in your notes.